Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David, how's it going? Uh, I wonder. Uh, I want to ask the listeners, how's it going? Uh, are there are there are their ears okay? Because you start off, we do like a level check at the beginning, and like you're you're good, and then every episode starts off with you going hello. I like to uh, <laughs> I like to get their attention. I mean, you know, our uh, our theme is so soothing that I want to try and uh, get them into it as soon as possible. <laughs> but uh, it's fine, you know. I have a soothing voice. Is that what you think? I don't know. I don't <laughs> like my voice. Oh, it's a fine voice. I wish at least you're not mumbly Joe like me over here. <laughs> mumbly, fair enough. Yes. <laughs> no, it's uh, you know it, that actually brings up something that's you know kind of interesting to uh, you know any listener who might be an actor or something like that. Um, I remember. I don't. I think there maybe has been like throughout like high school and college and community theater and all the all the different places that I've acted. I think I've used my actual voice once. Perhaps really? twice. I that's how much I hate my my own voice. Like I would always try and do an accent, or I would just kind of make my voice a little more stylized. Um, so to bring this up again, which I did a week or two ago, I think yeah. uh, you're like Laurence Olivier with the with the nose. Uh, yeah, probably because he, never... he didn't like his nose, and that's why he had a different like always had prosthetic noses and stuff. Yeah, and and Orson Welles was was the same way. But I think yeah, I mean I think it was I think it was that and. That's the beauty of being a character actor is you can kind of do that. You can kind of just be like, I see this character is kind of a Colonel Sanders type. And they're like, uh-huh. okay, that's fine. Do what you have to do. It's fine. <laughs> you're the only, ki- you're the only uh, kid here who could easily pass for 45. So, yeah, there you go. But uh, anyway, so uh, David. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you've heard this or not. You have because I told you just before we started recording. Yeah, you are very, uh, I, very good at keeping up on movie news, and I feel like I, uh, I lack in that department, and I'm not proud of it. I, well, the the job, uh, you you just got a, a new job. I just got a new job. Uh, mine, there will be some lulls from uh-huh. time to time, and uh, I will be free to peruse, uh, you know, the internet, and so I'm 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 up. On it a little bit more, and I know that you are for, forbidden from using the the internet. I've I've started to figure out how <laughs> to to get around it. Basically, it's I just there's this woman who works where I work, who she outranks me, I guess, but she's technically not my boss. Okay, but she will. Uh, I found this out because it happened. Okay. If she sees me like on the internet or something that something she doesn't approve of, yeah, she won't say anything to me. She'll be just like keep talking to me like normal, and then I'll find out later in the day that she had gone to my oh. to my supervisor. Oh, also for the uh, record, they don't know you do a podcast, do they? They're not going to listen to this. No, I okay. I don't talk about my okay. Uh, they they don't think I do anything. As far as they're though, concerned, if, I if, go into a cocoon as soon as I leave work, and then they see me again the next morning. I don't talk about myself. Oh man, work. I can't stop talking about myself at work. <laughs> but let me tell you what she did the first day. I get off at four p.m. Four p.m. Okay, right. so I had left, and uh, a few minutes apparent apparently I found this out the next day. A few minutes after after uh, I left, she came into the the room where I work with the other guy, two guys, two desks in this room, mm-hmm. and she said, uh, "Why did David leave early?" And he goes, "What are you talking about?" He gets off at four, and she goes, "Well, it's four now." I had left like three minutes ago. Oh my gosh! Well, I, I don't, I don't get that. Yeah. Why do people do that? Why are they like that? I just, what joy does it bring them? Yeah, you know, like 
I mean, there there are some people I think who probably just the only joy they can hope to achieve in their miserable life is to try and make other people as miserable as they are, if only a little bit. And then they can just be like, all right. But, uh, and I think it's also that some people, their job is just the most important thing in their life. And that's okay if you're, you know, an artist or I yeah. mean, if you're a politician or if you're doing yeah. something important at all. Yeah. But working in the little uh the little group of offices that I work in yeah. is should not be the most important thing in anyone's <laughs> life. It is it is not the most important thing to the company that I work for. It's probably the least important thing yeah. <laughs> that goes on in that building. Yeah, uh well perhaps she's, you know, maybe she's somebody who I she leaves it for, you know, or she leaves on the dot like she waits for the seconds and then it's time to go. You know, like at the like at the end of uh, about Schmidt, he literally waits for the second hand to get by, and then he gathers his things and leaves. And so, like when she feels like, wait a minute, he he's supposed to be leaving it for like he's cheating the company. I you know, well, I've been passed over, and yeah. this guy is my equal. This guy is a lazy asshole. Yeah. So. But not the other thing is. Uh, I take the bus to work, and yeah. in Los Angeles, it's not you can't just go outside and grab a bus because no, the cannot. fucking buses, the public transit sucks here, as everyone knows. So yeah. I have to walk like fifteen minutes to the bus stop, and yeah. if I don't catch the four twelve, yeah, you know, then I have to wait for the next bus to come around. So you know, yeah, I try and leave like three minutes early so that I can catch the four twelve bus, which seems perfectly okay. reasonable. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, you were talking about something you had read in the in, oh, the, yes. in the movie newspaper, <laughs> um, movie yeah. news daily. So, <laughs> exactly, I subscribe. Um, oddly enough, comes weekly though. Um, so the uh, very weekly. It's <laughs> well done. <laughs> no, that doesn't make sense. There, I just uh, the first video store I ever worked at. The manager, when he was like giving me sort of like the tour, my first day, he was mm-hmm. like, uh, "We get paid weekly." Very weakly. I just thought that was a really funny joke, so I try and work it in even when it doesn't make sense. Um, so, yeah. Uh, so, the director's cut of uh, Metropolis has been unearthed in Argentina, of all places. Argentina, you say? What? Argentina, you say? Yes. Yeah, you, know what, you know what that makes me think? What? Perhaps Adolf Eichmann absconded with it. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, no one will see. I can't do a German accent. No one will see this film. <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, so uh, yeah, so it's like the full. I forget how long it is. I think it's like you know two and a half hours, like three hours or three what hours. I've heard, and, yeah, and uh, so yeah, it's been found. And uh, Kino, which is a, a very good uh, film company, I'd say second only to. Um, uh, Criterion. Um, yeah, you know what? It, I said film company. I'm sorry, DVD Right, company. but it depends on what you're looking for. I mean, yeah. if you're looking for a certain thing, Kino is probably... Oh, the, yeah. I mean, one of silent comedies and... Yeah. I mean, silent film in general, Kino, I think, ha- definitely has uh, yeah. has a hand up on, on, on Criterion. Yeah, I mean, I think they understand that, like, there are people... Like, Criterion, when it comes to silent film, I think they, they find... The movies that like were perhaps pivotal in some way, and they will they'll release those. Well, I think Criter- Kino, Criterion. I don't know what their their uh, mission statement is, mm-hmm. but they seem to be they're like curating the canon, right? It, you right. know, whereas Kino is a more niche thing. Yeah, I think they understand that. Like there there are completists out there who want to yeah. own every single thing ever made by Buster Keaton. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Nothing, but. Uh, 
and they will they'll provide for that. And so they uh, they were working on like this comprehensive ultimate edition of Metropolis uh, that was going to come out in two thousand nine. And now that this uh, new footage has has uh, been found, they um, they've decided that they're going to you know it's very damaged. Of course, uh, they're going to try and scrub it as much as they can. They're going to incorporate it into their version. And uh, we is can it, all see it in 2009. So the the, the release date's not changing? Uh, not as far as I know. I, I could see it changing. But yeah. as of right now, they're still planning on a 2009 release. So well, I'm, that's fantastic. And I've never... You know, it's odd. I've never been a huge fan of Metropolis. And huh. it makes me... But, but I'm still super excited. Because, of course, you know, an extra... I mean, how long... Is Metropolis, you know, the version that we've seen. Like two hours? Okay, so like, you know, another hour of footage could turn me around, you know? <laughs> yeah. Or make me hate it more. Who knows? But uh, but we know what happens in the missing footage because there's title cards that, right, that right. read like little uh, uh, chapter synopses <laughs> in, right. in, in the movie anyway. But, uh, you know, and that's, you know, maybe that's, uh, I, maybe that's one of the things that I was always frustrated by was that it, the pacing is a little odd to me. Yeah. And, um, so maybe this will, uh, alleviate that. I'm very excited to see it. Um, and, uh, and that's the thing, just this whole story is, is fascinating to me. I like the idea that like film has now been around long enough that it is like, you know, there are, you know, people who work in like archives or something like that, that like, there's just these, these like Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouses, like with just, these rare little cinematic treasures and somebody could find it. And all of a sudden, like it just, it changes the way. Cause now, I mean like this, I know that this is perhaps overstating a little bit, you know, them finding the definitive director's cut of Metropolis. That's historical. You know, nobody has seen this since, you know, the twenties. Yeah. If, yeah. you know, if then, I mean, who knows how many people saw it then. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's very exciting. I, I, I like that kind of thing when, when, you're here and when they discover like the definitive thing. So I don't know. It's like, it's like, uh, the film version of, of like archeology. span So yeah, I enjoy it. But, yeah. uh, anyway, glad that there are, glad that there are people out there. Doing I know. That, you know, I mean, that's the same thing, uh, maybe not quite to this extent, but the, the rules of the game, you know, that was, a, it was a movie that different pieces had to be searched for, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, like I picture like the the Indiana Jones like oh yeah <laughs> dotted line going across the map yeah globe hopping picking up uh, stray reels of <laughs> the rules of the game a very wry French humor um, yeah and uh, I mean and that's you know it I, I it would be fascinating to actually like talk to one of those people because like there are entire filmmakers that for years were just basically forgotten by the public and then one of these people just finds their stuff and is committed to, you know, getting it seen. Uh-huh. I mean, Buster Keaton, the vast majority, like I'd say 80% of his stuff was l- lost. Nobody really knew where it was. I mean, you know, once sound came into play and then television, the silent, you know, the old silent films were not treated very well in a lot of cases. And so this guy named uh, Raymond Rohauer, who was largely viewed as the sleaziest guy in the world, but he... Uh, Apparently had good taste. He had good taste, and he recognized a good thing when he saw it. So he re- found and restored all these old Buster Keaton things, and he's kind of responsible for the resurgence that Keaton had in like the the '60s. So I don't know. I uh, I respect people that are that dedicated to to film that they want to try and and do that. If if 
like if it turned out that like the missing 40 minutes of Magnificent Ambersons was just lost as opposed to, as everybody knows, uh, destroyed uh-huh. by the horrible, horrible studio, um, then I don't know. I like to I like to think that somebody out there would would find it. I wish it would be me, but I'm far too lazy. But uh, anyway. Well, so. you know, I'm glad we had something to talk about up top. Because we always do like yeah. try and talk about just something before we get into the topic. Yeah. But now we've got, we've got the Battleship Retention blog, which, which right. people should read and subscribe to. It's, uh, uh, it's, it's gonna, going to be updated often, yeah. uh, as opposed to like my former movie blog that I used to keep that was updated twice in yeah, the span of a year and a half. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you better, no, that's the thing. You better, uh, you better add one, one thing to it so that you can say, I, I update about once a year. Right. August is coming up. Um, <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, that, that's the thing is uh, when we were trying to think about it, I was trying to think like, what have I seen recently? What do I want to talk about at the beginning of the show? I was like, right. ooh, I either like, oh, I blogged about Encounters at the End of the World or it's like, oh, you know, I uh, I saw uh, When Did You Last See Your Father, but I don't. Uh, I want to. I want to blog about it. I don't want to talk about it in the show. Like I, right. I'm, I'm saving it for the blog instead of saving it for the show in in a weird way. Um, Which reminds me of another thing. All those complaints we've gotten that the show, Battleship Pretension, this podcast you're listening to, is not pretentious enough. Yeah. Uh, I will try and keep it a little more esoteric on the blog for you people. I'll try and keep it real. <laughs> so, uh, but uh, yeah, and the blog, that one, uh, subscribe to it if you can. I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of subscribing to Blogger, but, uh, but yeah, if you can do that because that one will be updating maybe twice a week you know perhaps even more yeah uh the the movie of the week we'll be putting up a new one every thursday right right? and then um show notes i'm gonna say will be up uh like on tuesdays so don't put any pressure on yourself with the show notes because that's i got when i was doing the show notes i got burnt out and that's why i stopped doing them it won't you know it doesn't burn me out that much that you know they won't be yours were fairly comprehensive as well and i will try and keep mine to uh what a lot of people said they wanted was just kind of a, a list of hey here's the movies that we okay. discussed this week and that's not that hard to do so um so yeah that will be tuesdays and then thursdays the movie of the week um and then uh just frequently uh check out the blog so yeah Anyway. Uh, and another thing that we'll tell you about at the end of the show. Uh, right. I don't so, remember what it is. Well, we'll talk about okay. it at the end of the show. Um, right. So that said, let's get into it, shall we? All right. Couldn't think of a... Uh, definitely could not make the segue from oh, yeah. us pimping our website to... Uh, well, what's more American, really? Than shilling. Than shilling for yourself. Exactly. Uh, exactly. So, um, yeah, it's... Uh, what day is it? It's the 6th of July as we're recording this. Yes. Uh, this will go up on the 7th. Uh, it's the 4th of July weekend. That's right. So, uh, we're in a patriotic mood. I believe in America. Who doesn't? So. Uh, definitely uh, all the... It's, well, actually, you know, I'll save this. Um, but uh, we're talking about movies about America. Right. Uh, so, what do we want to start with? Well, that, you know, it's... When you first uh, suggested the topic, I was excited because it's very broad or very specific. Because uh-huh. it could be about—I mean, it could be almost anything. It'd be, be like patriotic movies or movies that are very much not. You know, like. Uh-huh. Um, and I feel like. Uh, what do you mean by movies that aren't patriotic? Like, what's? No, I'm sorry. That's 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 not right. But like movies that just are really about the seedy, gross, bad underbelly. 
right. of America. You know, which of, of course is just sometimes as much come from a patriotic absolutely point of view. Um, but like you know, a lot of movies that are patriotic, it's just like ah, the country can do no wrong and everything's great. Um, and right. idealism will win out in the end. The Green Berets. Oh my. <laughs> You know, it's. I had heard how bad that movie was, and then I think I saw like an actual clip. I'd never, I never. I have it. not seen it. Yeah, I saw an actual clip, and oh, it was on AMC. That's what it was. And I, I watched some of it. And I'm like, wow, this <laughs> is really. This is uh, this is, was made in the wrong era. Like this is belongs in Russia in the 20s. I mean, it's just so, uh, such propaganda. But um, but yeah, so, um. I was excited about because David, I have been feeling very patriotic lately. Uh-huh. Okay, for a few reasons. First is this is the first year um, that I've really, really started getting into the election. Yeah, um, because it's a good I, one. It is a good one, and I actually I mean, just I from like, a dramatic point of view, it's it's fun. Yeah, but it's also a very important one. It's an important, and also, I mean, I like both candidates. You know, I see pros and cons to both, uh-huh. um, regardless of, of where your politics may lie. It's like this election better than the last one, Definitely. I would say. And so. So, yeah, so I'm excited about that and I've been following it. I mean, like, you know, I would like I followed it way like all the way back from like like September, October. Like I had my horse in, e- in each uh, primary and I was like, OK, I hope I hope they get it. And um and my second choice for the Republican got it. My my first for the uh, for the Democrats got it. So it was. Can I uh, ask who was your first choice for the Republicans? My first choice was uh, Ron Paul, and okay. uh, I think I'm, we knew that actually. Loyal listeners, knew, yeah, knew that. Uh, I, I'm that guy. Um, it's I, fine with me. Yeah, it, it was one of those things where, and and David to your, to uh, to David's credit, he's the one that first told me. Uh, about Ron Paul and I didn't. He would have found out eventually. He ended I probably up being everywhere. But yeah, I, I he yeah he was very prolific on the internet and um, and it was one of those things. I didn't agree with a lot of the things that he said, but he really did not seem like a typical politician. I mean, his refusal to like tow what people thought was the Republican Party line was really exciting to me, and so. Um, so yeah, so I I liked him a lot, but of course there's no chance that he could have gotten the nomination. But um but yeah, so there's that, but then also a couple weeks ago Jen and I started watching the John Adams miniseries. Now oh, we're not done. Yeah. We've got two more episodes. And it you know, it's one of those it, it sounds it sounds weird to hear it, especially I'd say when you're from our generation, very very jaded, very cynical about the country. I mean, when when somebody like if somebody says this is the greatest country in the world, you're just like, whatever, you know. Uh-huh. Like even even I myself, who is you know, I'm fairly conservative, and I've you know lived in you know the South and stuff. Just even I'm just like, nah, I, I I I don't think that can be true. Um, <laughs> but John Adams and just that whole, it's just such a Great miniseries. Now, you've seen all of it. Yeah. And you saw it uh, when it came out, right? I, yeah, as it aired, I watched it. Yeah. yeah. And um, it really, it just, it got, it gets you excited about, like, American politics. And it makes you realize that, like, a lot of the things that were decided, a lot of the things that the country is founded on are such kind of radical principles, uh-huh. certainly at the time, um, that it's like, right, yes, this country was really... 
this American experiment is really fascinating to me. And so, so when you said, so all that was to say, when you said the topic of movies about America, I was so excited. I jumped on it, and uh, I'm not really sure where we can start from here. Well, let's start with John John Adams okay. because I, I I loved it, and it uh, it does get. I mean, I, I guess it gets a little heady in in that it it really explores the sort of philosophical tenets of right. of, of of our government and our uh, just our nation in general. You know where mm-hmm. where it sprung from and and what uh, what our constitution means. Yeah. Uh, but it never becomes boring. It never becomes a lecture. No, not uh, at all. It comes. It skirts that line, I think, at a couple points. Uh, but it it never becomes a, a blatant lecture. I would say, well, no, I was thinking that, like, that, like, it may, like, there's a, there's, like, a debate, like, once the country is, like, the war is over, the country has been established, and, like, the, the debate between, like, state government versus federal government starts almost immediately. Yeah. And it really, and, and I think the movie... The, the, but I'm talking about the more blatant. Uh, you might not have actually gotten this far, but when John Adams is is president, and he's like, uh, you he know, just got elected president. That's where I'm. Okay, but he's he he has a line at one point where it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, God help my soul if I got us into an unnecessary war. Uh, okay. <laughs> I think the episode is called "Unnecessary War." Actually, uh, okay, uh, stuff like that is very much yeah. about what is happening today. You yeah. know, but. It's still necessary that they that they do that. I, right. I, I think that's what makes it so great is that it uh, it's very true to the time that it takes place. Yeah, and then it does a good job of showing how the thing some of the things that were true then are true now. Well, and I think that it's also interesting because I feel like a lot of the people who would have a knee jerk reaction, like a knee jerk negative reaction to a line like that, mm-hmm. are the same people who would probably point to our founding fathers and talk, you know, and be like. Like, oh, they had it right back then. And then, like, if they look at a sentiment like that said by one of the founding fathers, they might be like, oh, <laughs> never mind. Um, but, yeah, and, and I think it's interesting that, you know, as far as the, the debate goes, um, I think it's – I think the, the series shows you, I'd say, both sides. I mean, it's notable that, like, Thomas Jefferson, who is, I'd say, enigmatic in, uh-huh. the, in the show. I mean, it's he's – and charismatic. And charis- yeah, but not in like an over the top kind of way, but just like the way he chooses words and Stephen Delane does yeah. a great job with him. Yes. Um and he just uh yeah, it's but he is taking what is now considered the Republican side and John Adams is taking what would now be viewed as the Democrat side. And so mm-hmm. it's I don't know, it's I don't know, it just, it got both Jen and myself just really excited about the country and I, I it was interesting that we didn't plan it out this way, although I guess maybe with the DVD release they did, that it would be coming out right when 4th of July was, was coming around. Oh, yeah, so, yeah. yeah it know. did seem like the DVD came out a little faster than I expected. Right. Uh, but um, but what's good, the reason the the show can, that or that series can be uh, uh, so effective a, a lecture, it's not, it's not a lecture, but you mm-hmm. know what I mean, uh, is that it? It 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 shows all the things that are great about that time period and that right. you know, but it also shows all the negative stuff that was being done by the same people. You yeah. know, like I mean, it doesn't shy away from the slavery thing. You know, I mean, uh, it has of course the Abigail character is 
is anti-slavery in yeah. a uh, in a more more vocal way. Uh, but uh, you can't that that can only help your 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 case if you if you are arguing for anything. Yeah. Uh, understanding and accepting the logical arguments against it can only help your case. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I, I think that movies, uh, to move on, um, the American gangster genre, Yeah. Uh, particularly uh, the, the Italian-American gangster genre, is great for the same reasons, because it's... Uh, those movies are so much about... America and so mm-hmm. much about what it means to come to America and how one can make oneself in America and yeah. all the opportunities that are afforded. Yeah. You know, but they're also really ugly stories as well. You know, right. they're often, uh, you know, <laughs> the, the Italian American gangsters are often very racist. Yeah. You know, and of course, violent and sociopathic. Yeah. <laughs> uh, not that that's necessarily American, but it's, it, but it is necessary for us to, to recognize the, uh, um, the divisive and violent nature in our in our culture. I don't mean like that we have innate violence, like uh, you know, like our our obsession with guns, which is another thing. Right. But I just mean the the way that America is built with uh, all these immigrants. Essentially, we're all immigrants. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there are there can't help but be clashes. Yeah. It's not going to fit together like a well played game of Tetris. Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, and uh, and the, but that's part of its its beauty. It's part of its is an ugly beauty in a way. Yeah, and even though I think Gangs of New York is a uh, is a flawed film, the philosophy behind it I think is is something I'd agree with. Like it's uh, you know the tagline for it was like uh, something to the effect of like America was made in the streets or something like that. And I think it's you know I mean for every like politician with this grand plan there are the small scrapes with, you know, possible corrupt government and like the, the leaders in a, you know, in a way that you can't really sanction in a legal way, you know? Um, yeah. And like, they do just as much, they did just as much to form this country as anybody. And, um, yeah, that's, um, that's, uh, I've got the Godfather on my list, you know, with this, uh, keep talking about HBO, the Sopranos is another, another thing, you know, that in like, because Tony literally, literally talks about in an episode, I think fairly early on, that they go to a church that he's like, you know, my my great uncle, whatever, you yeah. know, they built this church with their bare hands. You know, they came here and they built America. Right. You know, and, and yet they're still uh, marginalized and... Uh, and not, not, that, not that the Sopranos or Godfather or anything is, is making excuses for, uh, for the mafia, but it does... Uh, you know, faced facts that we, yeah. uh, as Americans, especially we as white Americans, have a history of uh, taking advantage of the, the minorities. Yeah, and I feel like, you know, that's another thing. I mean, if you want to... this The topic was so broad that I start, that I wanted to get the views of, of some other people. Like I said to Jen, then I said to a friend of mine, uh, Kurt, I said, hey, when I say... It's like, this is the topic we're discussing... Movies about America. What do you think? And uh, both of them went to westerns instantly, huh. and um, and it's weird because you know western is so much its own genre, but it's true that like, you know, uh, to go back to HBO, Deadwood. Yeah, I mean, 
is another thing where it's just it's so lawless, but they recognize that you know what there's we can't do this for long. We can't sustain ourselves with no law and just total anarchy. So like there there's just as many scenes discussing like the oncoming laws and government uh, yeah. as you know horrific violence and uh, prostitution. Um, but what I love about about Deadwood. Uh, is that it shows a society being built uh, that starts off on relatively level playing field. Yeah. And you see the hierarchy start to, to build themselves. Right. Which, you know, I'm not going to say that there were no hierarchies at the beginning of America, but, I mean, the the colonists coming here uh, and, and the king not having, it being so far out of the king's reach, yeah. you know, the the playing field leveled. Yeah, very very quickly, and you know it has a lot to you know the uh, the Puritans uh, believed in you know for all their awful close mindedness yeah. <laughs> they they believed in things like like education for both poor and rich children you know that was yeah. that was like a a tenet that the Puritans brought us and and so we uh, compared to other uh, Western nations of the time. America did start off on a relatively level playing field, and, yeah. and then we, we, you know, the rich got richer and the poor got poorer, and it sort right. of all went downhill from there. <laughs> but uh, that, that's what Deadwood looks at, and that's what I've always liked about it. But let's stay away from HBO. Okay, yeah. We, I think we've, we've exhausted it. Yeah. We'll get to the wire unless, later. Unless um, you've got anything to say about Mind of the Married Man. <laughs> oh, the things I... You know what? We've been going too long. I can't, <laughs> uh, I can't, I can't sum up my thoughts. Um, but I wanted to... Oh, did you have something? Well, just just westerns in in general. I mean, oh, right. they're you know they because like if you look at like a lot of the old westerns, they're just they're all about just opportunity and characters taking advantage of that opportunity. And then that's a good point. But it wasn't you know. But at the same time, I think as the western as a genre got older, I think they started to question some of the things. Uh, that had to be done. It's like there. It's like oh, it's a land of opportunity. There's a lot of there's a lot of dark people around here, and uh, we're gonna have to get rid of them to right. seize our opportunity. And uh, and I feel like these days, you know, a western, you know, like a like an old John Wayne, not the Searchers. I think the Searchers does a good job of kind of showing some of the some of the dark side of of the western. But like like the old tried and true like John Wayne westerns. Uh-huh. Like I don't think they could be made today because I think everyone now knows like you know what so much of what ha- what was done was horrible but this yeah. country couldn't have this country as it is now couldn't you know, have been made without it. I wouldn't have thought anything that simple minded could be made today until I saw 300. <laughs> which is as it's as unnuanced as what you're talking about yeah but this isn't gonna i'm not gonna go off on it that movie's more than a year old now i just hate it so much yeah well you you recently saw it <laughs> i only it finally saw sounds it to me like you've got a blog oh maybe maybe so um but yeah so and i and i just found it interesting that i didn't i mean that jen who you know knows movies but wouldn't consider herself like a hardcore movie person and my friend kurt who i'd say is the same way both of them went to westerns, and I it didn't even occur to me, and because uh, I because the western is a very American genre because it's a study of how America was formed. Uh, yeah, I guess for good and ill. I think I've always thought of westerns as being more uh, more about like uh, the traditional role of the man. It, yeah, 
uh, I've always thought of them as being very male movies, explorations of maleness, you know, yeah. uh, and this sort of uh, uh, individualism that uh, is is traditionally uh, more aligned with the, with the male point of view. Right. But anyway, yes, but you're right. Westerns are also very American. Yeah. They're about American men. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is, you know, I mean, what is more American than the idea of individualism, of, of like, you know what, society's not, you know, this society isn't working out for me. I'm going to go out, start my own farm. I'm going to go out, you know, herd cattle on my own. I don't need anybody else. Like, yeah. it, I mean, you know, the two are not necessarily separate. I mean, they can be linked together quite easily. Um, well, I wanted to, again, to talk about, uh, like with gangsters or Westerns and the violence and illegal stuff mm-hmm. that goes on. Um, and to bring it back to, uh, John Adams, or at least the, the philosophy of that time, you know, it's a very famous quote that of John Thomas Jefferson's, which is actually said in the miniseries mm-hmm. is that the, I'm going to paraphrase cause I can never remember it, but the, the tree of Liberty must be watered from time to time with the blood of patriots and tyrants. Yeah. Patriots and tyrants. Um, it's probably more eloquent if you're Stephen Delane and can actually <laughs> fucking get through a sentence without running all the words together. Um, so sometimes these illegal activities are are necessary, mm-hmm. uh, and I think a big part of uh, to move move us forward. We started with we started in the 1700s uh, yeah. with uh, John Adams and such, and, and now in the 1800s with Westerns. Moving to the 20th century, yeah, uh, industrialism and the unionization that came along with it. Okay, uh, a lot of what you know, uh, if not blatantly illegal, definitely the the organizing. They had to break some rules, yeah. you know, in order to organize. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think it's great that that's very American mm-hmm. to, to protest, uh, to question authority and to break rules. Like th- yeah. these are inherently American things. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, what the country was founded on. People yes. just dissatisfied and doing something that was very much against the law. Right. And certain current administrations that I could mention should probably get that fucking memo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh. Uh, I want to talk about, I mean, just one of, there are so many great movies about unionization, you know, e- even like Abel Ferrara's The Funeral, uh, which is sort of a mix of the gangster thing mm-hmm. and unionization, yeah. you, you know, both those, uh, uh, you know, and, and, and communism. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I want to talk about, uh, the the one I, I wrote down, the one I singled out because it's a great fucking movie is Mate One. Okay. Which I, I've never seen and I always wanted to. Um, well, it's, uh, it's a John Sayles film. Yeah. And it stars uh, uh, Chris Cooper. Yep. Um, and he, basically a bunch of miners, uh, ER miners, um, not an emergency room, miners. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Grown ER men <laughs> who go underneath the ground to get things. Um, <laughs> and they're, of course, treated like shit. Like they, you know, they have to live on on the company land and buy the company products right. and they're given instead of money they're paid in company script you know mm-hmm. but they have to when they start they have to buy all of their they have to pay for the room and board and they have to buy all their equipment from the right. company and that costs more than they'll make so they're immediately indebted to the company and everything every day that they work right it's just paying back the company yeah. company so it's essentially indentured servitude another film that's about this exact type of thing is um the Molly Maguires. Oh, with Sean Connery? Yeah. I've never seen it. And Richard but, Harris. Uh, Good you've, stuff. You've recommended it to me before. Um, and then uh, they start organizing in Mate yep. One, and then they send in the Pinkertons. Yep. Uh, 
which is always uh, it's I, I I love when they send in the Pinkertons in in Deadwood or anything oh, yeah. else because you know a firm has to be really badass to be called the Pinkertons and still yeah. strike fear in people's hearts. Yeah, like when when Alice Warrington's like, oh fuck, because the Pink, <laughs> because the Pinkertons are on their way. Yeah, like uh, yeah, and that's you know, and that's. Uh, I always there's not there hasn't really been like any books written there hasn't been any books written about the Pinkertons and to me like back there have when to I was, have been something you'd think so you've looked I've looked huh. back when I was looking to be interested in something aside from movies um, <laughs> I'm like you know what every time every time I turn around I hear this word Pinkerton Dashiell Hammett used to be a Pinkerton before you know after it was. Uh, uh, a terrible thing to do that. Um, and then like Deadwood and, uh, you know, and um, Molly Maguire's like, I keep hearing this word and how did it go from being basically uh, legal gangsters and yeah. strike breakers to actual detectives? Well, I've also heard, and this could be completely apocryphal, uh, but that uh, in the times of say Abraham Lincoln, before there was a secret service, mm-hmm. the Pinkertons were yeah. hired to be the president's guard. Yeah. They were hired by everybody. I mean, it was just, uh, it must have been a grand old time to be a Pinkerton, you know? Um, <laughs> Do you think they were all just one family uh, named Pinkerton? <laughs> it's huge. Um, but, uh, yeah, it's, um, the idea of, like, unionization is interesting. Like, did you ever see uh, Hoffa? Oh, yeah. Okay. And just, like, so that's a, That movie's a little too clever for me. Well, it's written by David Mamet, so how could it not be? But I mean, like Danny DeVito directed it, and his like the the segues between scenes, like oh yeah, every, the, every time it goes from one point to another, it's like someone will light a match, and then like it'll be the match in the past, and then it'll pan, like right. pull out, and you're like, oh, we're in the past now. Like it's a little cutesy for me. Yeah, three of those is about as most the most <laughs> yeah. you could do, I'd say, without just calling attention to it. But uh, yeah, and that's the thing is like almost every. I mean, it makes you wonder if this is the history for every country, but like, if you look at almost every, excuse me, almost every major change towards the positive, there's always been, it, it never goes just the way it's supposed to. Uh-huh. It always, and it always erupts, I'd say, in violence of some sort. Um, it's, sometimes it's violence, you know, the violence of like people trying to get what they deserve or it's the violence of people trying to keep, keep people them, from keep getting what they deserve. With, you know, it's yeah. like, I mean, like everything that we've mentioned, I mean, it doesn't make the country sound that good. But it may, you know, it's, I remember uh, when Michael Moore was talking to Charlton Heston in Bowling for Columbine, and he was right. talking about, you know, why, uh, you go, why do you think there's so much violence, so much gun violence in this country when we have just as much, just as many guns as, you know, Canada? And Charlton Heston started to say, well, we have a violent history. And then, of course, Michael Moore cut him off and said, you, you mean Germany doesn't have a violent history? And it's like, well, hang on now. Every single, uh, not every, perhaps not every single, but like every major shift that our country has had has been accompanied with violence, uh-huh. you know. And what's more, because the shift is, is, is positive, you know, we may just have that mentality that like, Oh, if this guy's in my face, all I need to do is hurt him or kill him. Problem solved, you know. Yeah. And so, which I don't know. It it made me 
that interview like really made me think like not what whatever the hell Michael Moore was thinking, but I was like, oh, I really would have liked to see where Heston was going with what he was starting to say. Well, I think I mean, yeah, cer- certainly every civilization as a whole has a has a violent history, but yeah, uh, our country was specifically you know birthed in in blood that was shed or uh drawn by yeah. uh commoners yeah you know it it wasn't the machinations of the of two kings or or right. you know two tribal leaders you know warring against one another it was an uprising essentially right you know and uh and that i think and the fact that it's relatively recent you know i mean yeah. yes germany has a violent history but they're not like I don't think the Visigoth experience is like still <laughs> forefront in the, in the German uh, citizen's mind. Right. Uh, it, it's so it, it being so recent. Uh, it is. Uh, yeah. It's still in our blood. Yeah. And. Uh, but yeah, it's just. Uh, and so I guess I guess I'll go ahead and bring us into the next the next phase. Um, I we you and I have both been watching uh, uh, Mad Men. Uh huh. And, um, and, you know, I, earlier I was talking about, you know, there are some people, uh, you know what, I'll, Republicans. There are, uh-huh. not all Republicans, of course, but there are a lot of Republicans who would, will, like, point to the Founding Fathers and say, oh, that's the way it's supposed to be. And John Adams is like, eh, maybe they weren't on board with you. But, um, <laughs> and much in the same way. I feel like Mad Men, which is a, a brilliant series. I mean, I did not. I expected it to be really good, maybe even great. I did not expect it to be this level of great uh-huh. right away. I mean, you talked about it, hooked you from the first scene. Yeah. Um, but uh, but like you know, these days there's a lot of people who are like, ah, oh, you know, and maybe maybe not these days, but like probably ten or fifteen, twenty years ago, there were like people who talked about the way things used to be like back before the 60s and sex drugs and rock and roll yeah you know it's like that's the way you know that's the way it was supposed you well, know you know everybody everybody had a haircut everybody was clean shaven yeah the people who say that are generally white men and the yeah. 50s was a great time to be a white man and that's the thing on the sur- on the surface it absolutely was right but what's more is like i mean these these guys they can't show any weakness either i mean they because everybody's I mean, for man or woman, like even the hint of a psychiatrist paints you with a certain brush. Uh-huh. And I mean, these guys, they can't. I mean, the only emotion they're allowed to express is probably rage. I mean, aside from that, everything has to be kind of light, breezy. You take every, you know, and stoic. And uh, you just kind of take everything with a grain of salt. If something isn't going your way, if something has gone horribly wrong in your life, you're not really allowed to show any emotion. Just, it was, you know. In some ways, it was a it was a good era, but in many other ways, it was it was terrible for everybody. Um, right, because it was so repressed. Because it was just so repressed in every way, and so I feel like you know it's just well, it makes it makes you wonder like wh- was there ever like an era? Because that's the thing, our country is so new that you know I mean it's like there's a big change like every fifteen twenty years. And it makes you wonder, like, was there ever an era where historians will look back on and be like, you know what? That was a good time. <laughs> you know, and I can't think that there is. No. Well, I like to think that we're working toward it. 
perhaps that, that's that's the end end game is to get to a time that's good for everybody. Yeah. Uh, but that's a little bit utopian. Yeah. Uh, well, speaking of utopian, you talked about we we keep we keep harping on sort of the the underbelly uh, right. of America in in service of 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 uh, celebrating the country. We've been right. talking about some of the seedier parts. Right. Uh, so let's talk about the more inspirational. Uh, yeah, the the rosier parts, and uh, let's start with Mr. Smith goes to Washington. Absolutely, or just Frank Capra in that era in general. Yeah, you know. Um, it might, yeah. It's a little, it's a little cornball if you're if you're cynical, but uh, it's it's such, it is inspiring. It's it's a it's a rejoicing in the theoretical possibilities of this country. Right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, it it's and that's the thing. I mean, that movie, people associate with just oh, it's so inspirational, but it's a movie that fully recognizes. Yeah, there's a lot of corruption. You know, yeah. and I mean, there's there's politicians out looking, you know, looking out only for themselves. And but what where the inspiration part comes in is that the movie dares to say that, you know what? Those politicians aren't going to last. You know, what is really going to resonate with people is just the inherent goodness of America and Americans, yeah. you know, to the point that even even a cynical politi- even a cynical, corrupt politician will be like, you know what, like, will burst out saying the horrible things he's done and wants absolution, you know? I mean, yeah. can't even continue in his own in his own sins. He needs, you know, he needs to be like Jefferson Smith. Right, and yeah, and there's, I mean, I guess one of the, uh, a, a surfacey message you can take from Mr. Smith Goes to Washington is that one man can make a difference. Yeah. Uh, which is not really necessarily true. Yeah. Uh, and also not really necessarily what that movie is saying. Right. I don't think, I don't think, I don't think uh, Mr. Smith is supposed to be just one man against everyone. He's supposed to represent, he, because he comes to, uh, he, he comes to Washington with really just the benefit of his constituents in mind. Yeah. Uh, he's not supposed to represent just one man. He's supposed to represent the people, and that that the people can make a difference. Right. That that's that's the message of the movie. Not that one man can make a difference, because one man can't. It's the people. Right. Uh, and when but, you say one man can't, I mean, like, the implication, the way I the way I take it is that, like, one man might, one man can could make a difference but not by himself like even if it's like yeah. a president or something like that exactly the most powerful man in the world but you know what he has help everybody has help you know yeah. i mean if you're going to make a difference william wallace be... had uh brennan gleason exactly <laughs> exactly <laughs> um but uh and the irish um but like although you know it should be noted that like one like one man it, it will take several people to like make a positive difference. One man can make a negative difference, uh-huh. you know. Like one man can strap a bomb to himself and do something terrible. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's like I would say a movie like like Rocky, and and that's the thing is like so many of these movies that are very inspirational. I mean, it's it is frustrating that people look at that and say, "Oh, that's corny." It's like, well, I I don't want to ever be that person where. Yeah. And I think I, I think maybe I used to be back when I was trying to seem more jaded than I was, or maybe I actually was, and I don't know. You're a teenager, probably are jaded about something, but um, 
but like you know when you watch Rocky, I mean it really does put forth the idea of the American dream that yeah, like if you try hard enough and if you're good at what you do and admittedly with the right opportunity and the right people helping you, you can. I mean he does you know he doesn't officially win the fight, but he wins his self-respect and he gets the opportunity, you know, and that's America's land of opportunity and he gets his opportunity and he seizes it. Yeah. Even though nobody else expected it to be what it is, you know, everybody saw it only as a publicity stunt for the champ. This guy could have looked at it that way. Could have simply said, you know, he could have taken the cynical route and say, said like, yeah, I know what I am, and I know how this guy views me, and I get what this is. So I'll just do what I have to do, and he'll win, and everything will be great. But he doesn't. He sees it as his opportunity, and it's just... I don't know. It's, Rocky is just a... I mean, we talked about it with the Sklars, and you and I have talked about it before, that it's just a... It's good in a lot of ways, but yeah. I feel like it's, and, it's, it's optimism is earned. Yeah, well, one thing that you mentioned that I think is... is uh is very important to this to this theme. Um, America is the land of opportunity. Mm-hmm. But like you said, Rocky has to seek out and use the opportunity himself. He has to do a lot of the legwork. Yeah. You know, it's America is the land of opportunity doesn't mean that you're just going to people are just going to be knocking on your door and right. giving you opportunities all the time, right. you know. Uh, you have to work for it. Uh, and it you know ninety nine percent of the time it doesn't work out very well. Yeah, uh, there's a lot of forces in America keeping you down. Yeah, uh, but it's, it's what you say. Like you said, I don't want to ever be dismissive of these kind of stories because uh, they are uh, they're they're what keep the, the this is it's the sort of hope that Barack Obama talks about. You know, right. uh, they're they're what keep us together. This yeah. sort of this sort of national narrative that you can be poor and Rocky was poor. Yeah. Uh, like real poor, not movie poor. Right. You know? Uh, and, and he found an opportunity and he mm-hmm. pursued it uh, and he did a lot of hard work and a lot of jogging and, yeah. and, and stuff. Drinking and, eggs. Yeah. And punching beef. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta punch some beef to make your way in this world. <laughs> yeah. It's a little known Barack Obama speech, but, um, yeah, and but it is you know it is it is worth noting that there are plenty of movies about the American dream and and they're inspirational quote unquote inspirational but in fact like I said the important thing is that Rocky earns the right to be inspirational. I mean there are yeah. some movies where they just feel like like you said everything will be great you know because uh-huh. th- in this country everything will be great and uh-huh. it's like. No, you might have to work for some of it. But, you know, it makes me wonder. I do have a, a movie on my list here that um, that I wanted to get your take on. You've seen it, and I haven't seen it in a while. But um, the idea of, you know, the American dream, and if you, you know, theoretically, if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and if you have a good idea, or if you're willing to work hard, you can make it to a certain degree. You know, uh-huh. you, you won't be destitute, you know, that idea. Right, what's um, the movie you're going to talk about? Is it, is it The Big Kahuna? No. Okay. It's The Assassination of Richard Nixon. <laughs> I didn't think it was The Big okay, Kahuna. Okay, good. <laughs> it's like, um, I think we need to go off the rails a little bit. But um, but no, it's The Assassination of Richard Nixon. Because that's that to me is an interesting movie because, because there's a guy who 
he goes from job to job to job. And he ha- I mean, he himself has ideas. They may not be the best ideas, but they're somewhat original. And uh-huh. he is willing to do some of the legwork, but at the same time, he wants to remain so independent. And so it makes you wonder, like, to achieve the American... You know, like, for example, he wants to be a salesman, and he gets the job, but... I think they want him to like shave his mustache or something like that. Right, right. And he, he, he hates the idea of doing that, you know. And also, just the the salesman mentality means sometimes telling people what they want to hear, even when it's not necessarily the truth. Uh-huh. And he just cannot do it. And so it makes you wonder, like, how much compromise is involved in achieving the American dream, you know? Because you know, the American dream doesn't just, it's not just going to fall in your lap. It is going to require something of you. And that something like you may not, you may not be able to hold on to all of your ideals. I won't necessarily say morals, you know, there's nothing necessarily immoral about you having to shave your mustache, you know? Right. But I don't know. It's just that movie is, I really liked that movie. And I, as you know, I'm not a big fan of Sean Penn, but I think he's really good in that movie. Um, and it just it, it it makes me it made me question a lot of really interesting a lot of a lot of a lot of angles about the American dream. Just it made me see things that I hadn't thought about before. And um, I don't know. I mean, what's your what's your take on that? If you've got one, uh, well, you mentioned the individualist thing, um, <clears throat> and it's it's weird. There there are, there are two sides to that coin as well. Because uh, you could you could see Sean Penn's character there as as an individualist because he wants to stick to, he wa- he doesn't want to go along with the status quo he wants to right. stick to, but uh, if he if he did, uh, you know, uh, become the salesman and, and did did uh, you know lie to clients mm-hmm. you know that could be seen as another form of individualism in that he's looking out for number one. He's achieving right. the American dream at the expense of Americans. Hmm. Uh, you know, so there, there are, there are good things and bad things, of course, to the individualism as well. Right. As to, as to all things in life. Whoa. <laughs> You've blown my mind, Dave. <laughs> oh, thank um, God. You know, and I feel like, I feel like to really, uh, to really examine America is to also examine, and John Adams does this as well, to examine our place, not just within the country, but our place in the world as well, which is to examine kind of foreign policy to a certain degree. Sure, yeah. Um, And so I feel like, this is going to sound kind of strange, but King Kong is to me, uh, um, I think it's a movie that could not, it couldn't have taken place in another country i mean it, it easily could have but i think it is essentially a very american story i mean you could say it is also analogy you know an analogy for like you know the slave thing uh-huh. but um watch it there you're but, treading on dangerous ground <laughs> slaves well who who would stand in for the slaves in this story well it's, and that's <laughs> that's why i say it's an allegory i'm not saying that oh yeah it's dead on, but um, but you know from the contemporary not contemporary not but contemporary to nineteen thirty three mm-hmm. that point of view it wouldn't have been that outrageous to have right. a gorilla represent Africans right and so and that's the thing is yeah it, sorry it, honestly it didn't even occur to me that that <laughs> you know um, 
is that a good thing? Maybe that's a good thing. That it didn't occur to you? Yeah. Yeah, I think I would say that's definitely a good okay, thing. Okay, good. I wasn't sure if... <laughs> is it a good thing that I'm completely, uh, you know, ignorant of that kind of thing? Or is it <laughs> perhaps bad? But, um, but just the idea that, you know, these, you know, these Americans go out and they, they see something they want. And they take it, regardless of the impact that... Cause Regardless of the impact that that might have on that island or whatever the case may be, they see it and they will take it and they bring it over and uh, it turns out, oh, yeah, maybe this isn't as good as we thought it could be. But I'd say it's a similar type of uh, uh, comment in like Three Kings, where mm-hmm. which is a great movie. Yes, um, but definitely. there, you know, these soldiers, they're there to try and help people. But then they kind of then that American instinct kind of kicks in and they start thinking like well I'm, I'm all for helping people but as long as I'm over here I might I could get something out of it myself and so they start doing that but it winds up just endangering a lot more people yeah. you know and granted by the end of you know by the end of most of these stories you know the Americans do see that uh, you know what yeah we're not acting alone here we're there are other people in this in this world that our actions have an impact on, and maybe we that maybe we have a certain amount of responsibility here, but um, but yeah, it's well, I'll I'll talk about foreign policy for a second, go ahead. or just I'll talk about politics in general. Okay, um, uh, and this is going to go back to the sort of uh, idealism of of Mr. Smith versus Washington, or even Rocky, um, and we've talked about television a lot, probably more than usual on this episode, right? Uh, and it's kind of fitting because the uh, the art of telling stories via serialized television is pretty American. Yeah. You know, I mean, because, uh, you know, movies were very sort of uh, continental and, and, you know, like Americans were making movies, but also, you know, the French and the Germans right. and the Soviets were all making uh, very large leaps as well. But pretty much everything that is uh, uh, essential about television storytelling is comes from America. Yeah, it's simply the idea of like, you know what? If we keep them coming back, that's more ads we can sell. <laughs> right. At the very least there's that. But, but so I want to talk about uh you know, we should probably end soon, but I want to talk about one television show uh, and that's The West Wing. Okay. Uh which is again, it's a complete fantasy, yeah. but it's uh it's true to it it, it still works within the rules of government and it's basically right. just the West Wing is essentially a best case scenario. Like, yeah. if everyone in the government really felt the sense of civic duty that they're supposed to feel and yeah. did their job to the best of their ability, we would have a government like that of the West Wing. Yeah, and it would be fantastic. You know, I I have been, I'd say, I don't know how vocal I've been on our show uh, about my general dislike for the writing of Aaron Sorkin. Uh-huh. But what I will say is that. Because, you know, he does tend to speechify and his characters sometimes sound kind of alike, which admittedly, a lot of the stuff I write, my characters sound alike, so I can't criticize that really anymore. But just, you know, it took me a long time to understand the idea of the, as you say, the idealized uh, reality. Yeah. And, um, but I feel like of all of his things, like I, I'm not that into sports night. I wasn't that into Studio 60, but. Who, Who was? was. <laughs> but, uh, 
awesome. We're like the, we're like the Sklars. Um But the uh, <laughs> but but the West Wing is the one that like when I do watch an episode of it, there might be some Sorkinian things that I'm just like, nah, I'm not into that. But he does create strong characters, and it just is a really strong stable of actors as well. Yeah, and. Um, and it's just, and it really does, like, when Martin Sheen gives, like, a stirring speech, it's like, that's, I wish my presidents were like this, you know? Yeah. And um, and it should be noted that, uh, having not watched an entire season of it, certainly, uh, on my, <laughs> this is how into the current election I am. Uh-huh. I've told, I think I've told you this, David, that I have put seasons six and seven on my queue. Now... I've not seen seasons one through five, <laughs> but six and seven, it's when the primaries start and the general election uh, goes on for who the next president's going to be. And it comes down to, on the Democrat side, Jimmy Smith playing a, some would say, inexperienced, young, charismatic minority. Mm-hmm. On the Republican side, you've got Alan Alda playing uh, an older, somewhat maverick. Uh, he has the re- reputation of a maverick, and uh, people worry about how he will be able to do the job because of his age. And um, but, and what's more, I'm just fascinated because it's just like, oh, well, that's, there's a definite parallel there. But I wanna, I, I'm excited to watch that and then watch like the actual election and just and then shake my head <laughs> because I know that... that uh, that the Sorkin one is going to be so much more desirable. I wish I could vote for Alan Alda, but um, I think I think that yeah that covers it for me. Um, me as well. So um, if anyone is still listening, it's been uh, a long episode. Uh, Not compared to the last couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want about the website that I wanted to mention oh, okay. is we're going to start doing. You may have noticed if you've been to the website, noticed a, a, a tab uh, called videos. Oh yeah, okay, uh, yes. So what we're going to be doing is essentially uh, like um, hey, what do you want to call it? Like a mailbag. Okay, yeah, uh, of sorts. You write us questions. They don't. Yeah. Uh, they can be movie questions. Yeah. They don't have to be if you want to ask about. Yeah. Uh, Politics or TV or music yeah. or anything we could possibly have any, an opinion. Anything on. that I might know anything about. Um, yeah. uh, you can even ask personal questions. I probably won't answer them unless I can get a good, uh, interesting answer out of it. Ask, <laughs> ask me anything you want about David. I'll answer. It for you. <laughs> um, anyway, so we'll be doing these short videos and putting them up on, on the website. So if you have any questions that you would like to see us answer, or if you just want to know what we look like, because I yeah. know people are dying. Well, I guess there's pictures of us on the website, yeah. but uh, um, if you want to know what Tyler's apartment looks like. <laughs> exactly. Because, yeah, we do the podcast from David's apartment. Yeah. We will do the videos from Tyler's apartment. That's right. Because, of course, the studio here is, uh, we can't give away our secrets as far as the setup right. and, and, the, and the look of, of, of this. Right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, just email us at, the, at battleshipretention at hotmail.com. Right. And uh, if we like your questions, if they're not sucky... Uh, exactly. <laughs> we will answer them in short videos. Now, should we should we bring up the other thing? We don't have a specific date on it yet, but it is something that's in the works. Should we bring it up? Because I want to give people fair warning. Because I want I want some supporters there. Yes. Okay. Let's do it then. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we like I said, we don't have a date. 
Uh, we don't even really have the exact format locked down yet. Right. Uh, but we're um, th- those of you, us, those of you who listen to the show and are, are familiar with Josh Fadum. Uh, we're going to do a live recording of the podcast <laughs> with live comedy uh, along with Josh Fadum. Yeah. Uh, sometime probably in August. Yeah. Uh, in in the Hollywood area. So right. uh, if you live in Los Angeles or if you're going to be out here, yeah. Um, details are to come as far as date and location. Right. It, it will be free. And it will be at a place at a, that where you can buy alcohol. There you go, and that's <laughs> that will help everybody, I think. So um, I'm going to be the only sober person there, and that's not going to be fun for me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we thought we just—it's that's the thing. It's very vague right now. Details are very sketchy, but we just want to let you know this is something that's happening. So get excited about it because we've got dates coming up in the near future. So, All right. All right. Uh, thanks for listening. God Bye. bless America. <laughs>